Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we've got a great episode for you guys today. Christopher Kippenberger is coming on the podcast as well known as a pretty white girl on Instagram, which just <laughs> lets you know how how uh, on top of things he is. He's going to be here to talk about Vehicle, which is his brand, offshore powerboat racing, uh, just the different goals that he has, his business practices. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's awesome. It's enigmatic. It's Christopher Kippenberger. Yeah. Guys, what I found most interesting was just, you know, how he's marketing such an exclusive brand an yes. odd by garn brand that I have. I have difficulty understanding. Yeah. I don't get it. So, well, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, you should, you're the one that has way more money. You should be closer to getting it than I do. Yeah. But, but I'm, yeah, I, I get it in such a way that I like, there is value in exclusivity. There is there's perceived value in how much something costs too. So right. there was a there was a study done. It wasn't really a study, but someone uh, like renamed Payless Shoes, like Payless Shoesé or something like that, and yeah. like redid the words. And it like it was two blocks away from the Payless Shoe Store, uh-huh. and they had the Payless Shoe Store, right? And they took all the shoes that were in Payless Shoes, put them out on nice racks, and uh-huh. charged like a thousand percent more from them. Yeah, and said they were exclusive. They all sold out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there's there is a perception that I mean, obviously, you know, the stuff that Kippenberger does is 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 far cooler than it's not repackaged. It's all unique. It's all special. Right. Yes. And it's all I mean, you'll hear th- some of the links that he goes through to make things very, very special. Right. My point is, is that people see a number and the, and they will they'll ascribe value to it is is what? Why are you looking at me like that? I'm just wondering where you're going with that. No, I'm just, you were asking, you don't get it. I'm yeah. just, I'm just saying no, sometimes things are cool just because they're expensive right. and only certain people have it. Correct. And, and You're right. I, yeah, I have yeah. what you don't have. It, uh, the way women look at men, men are more attractive. If you are, if your girlfriend uh-huh. is, is hot, uh-huh. you are more attractive, period, because you obviously have some sort of value. You know you what know? else I realized is true with that? Having a cute baby. <laughs> a cute baby? Oh, I'm really hot now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's because you're approachable and taken. I don't think it has anything to do with no, the baby okay. or your mustache for that matter. It, I look better than a mustache than you do. You I do look n- I look better in a mustache than you do. That is absolutely Your false. mustache is better, I will say, but I look better in a mustache than you do. I don't know if yep. that's true. It looks it like is. if it was had milk on it, the cat could lick it off. From what I can see I, from I over here. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? <laughs> Before we get into our interview with <laughs> Mr. Kippenberger, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Petrol Box. Petrol Box is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast. Each month, they carefully select items, including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, and publications to be sent right to your doorstep. It's a curated selection of the latest and greatest gear in the industry, and there's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. The Petrol Box basic costs less than 20 bucks a month while the Petrobox premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code overcrest at checkout to get $6 off your first month. All right. Just want to warn you guys, we had a little bit of a some audio issues at the beginning of the episode. It gets figured out. We figured it out. So be patient. You know, there's going to be a couple cuts here and there to try and put things together. But it, it worked out. The audio is great for the vast majority of the episode. So bear with us. All right. Our interview with Chris Kippenberger. All right. So I got pretty much everything all set. Are you ready to go? Yeah. You want to hear what happened to the guy who bought this like $10,000 special edition? Do you want to talk about it on the during the episode? Because I do have some. I'm going to ask you about it. Do you want to just tell me then? Nah, I think I'll start with it. 
<laughs> All right, go ahead, man. We'll just let's just roll. Let's just go. Go for it. Go. So we sold the special edition for ten thousand euros, right? Of VQ magazine. So, yeah, with like one of our magazines. So it was basically like our regular magazine, but it had a hardcover put on it and uh, it came with this like expensive designer bag called like from a brand called Goyard. And like you can't buy them online, so you gotta go like physically to one of their boutiques and buy it like it used to be in, in Paris. And that was the only place you could go and buy the stuff. So they had like the windows blanked out because like the Asians would come and like draw the designs, like copy them oh, like oh, from outside the window. And then now, I don't know, it's probably part of like LVMH or something. So they're, they're in different cities, but they still don't really sell online. So this was like in the middle of like COVID still. So we had to go to Milan from uh, the Alps where we, we were kind of like hanging out during COVID. So we drove to Milan and had to stand in line with yet more Asians to get this bag, which was like a grand. And then we had lunch and we drove back to our like little village up in the Alps. And then we had to drive to Munich, which was like this each way here is like three hours. So, right? so why what are you doing? Hold on. Why are you, are you going to get this bag? Because you're trying to figure out a way to make a relationship to do the book thing with this company or is, where are we at in no, the, the time? Bag is, the, the bag is part of okay. the $10,000 magazine package. Okay. Gotcha. Right. So you buy a magazine and it comes in this bag that was advertised to be a part of this package, but you, we, you couldn't just buy it. You had to go get it. So the effort of like getting this bag alone and then driving it to Munich to have someone like write on it, like a special, there was like a graffiti tag on it with our name, with vehicle. That was another like four hours one way, but the one time the guy wasn't there, so we had to do it again. So overall, it was a 16-hour car ride just to get that one thing written onto the um, onto this bag that the magazine would then go into. What I'm explaining this is because everything we do seems to be very complicated and expensive. And that's sort of the theme, right? Like, how far are you willing to go? So I always think of that scene in, like, House of Cards or something where she looks into the camera or he, I don't even know, one of the two, and goes, uh, what the others don't know is that we're willing to go to any length to get what we want. So that's sort of like like the kind of badassery that's going through my head when I'm like doing these sort of like projects, right? Because like people told me when I launched this magazine during COVID and I wanted to sell it for 50 bucks sight unseen, like my distributor said, like, no way, like you got to charge $12, right? Mm -hmm. So with the conversion rate, $50 plus the shipping, so it amounted to about 100 And if I would have listened to these people who really know better than me, because I don't know shit about making magazines, you know? Like, I don't even read them. So <laughs> personally, I don't even like them to go a step further, you know? I think I've read our magazine once, and I hear, but I hear really good stuff, right? So, <laughs> well, you have to define magazine, though, right? Because if you, you define magazine, everybody thinks of, you, like, Sports no, Illustrated or not, something. That's what I want. No, that's my just my... That's like saying, like, I got to define what a Porsche is. Like, nah, dude, I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like either people know what that means or it doesn't. But Porsche doesn't go around saying, our, you know, they do go around saying our car is better than others. But for how long is the question? But what, what I'm saying is, like, I, I, that's not my job. My job is to make a magazine what, like, people think. If it's a good magazine or bad magazine, that's, that's up to them. What I'm saying is that the price point 
you know, I knew the worth and I, plus I just didn't want everybody having one. You know, I didn't want the wrong people having one. So why? it was more like an under, why don't you want the wrong why people I don't want the it? wrong people having my brand? Look, I think if I saw someone since we like got into like, like limited, very limited garments now, like, like years later and like friends and family have it. But like, I think if I saw someone and I didn't like them on the street or something wearing it, I'd probably go up to them and like either take it from them or offer them that I could buy it, like depending on how big they are. But if it was like someone that I just did not want to see wearing my thing, I think I would do I would do exactly that. I have taken the magazine away from people like I brought it to someone to a meeting and then I didn't like how the guy put it on the table, like with a bunch of other magazines. So I left that meeting and then I told my assistant to go back to that office unannounced and just go up to the desk and take it. And he did. And then the next, like that kind of like got out and, and then I got, people were really irritated and like, they really wanted the magazine then. And, um, no, it's like the soup Nazi dude, like no, no magazine for you. <laughs> and anyways, let me finish up that other story. Yeah, so yeah. we, we sell this thing right to this guy, a reoccurring customer in Albany, New York, uh, owns a printing company. Fort Orange Press, for the record. I don't know if I can say that or if I'm going to get sued. I signed a bunch of shit. Well, we didn't but even hear it because it glitched have, out. It glitched so you're out. Good. You say, say that again. <laughs> good. 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 You own some sort of the, printing something is all I got. Yes. Yes. Printing company in Albany, New York. So he buys this thing and we're just about to like, we, we, we spend six months of the year here in Europe and then we spend six months in Miami and we're just about to leave. Like in one of those family episodes where it's like fleeing Nazi Germany episode, like bro, it was tight here. You know? It was like, they weren't letting you to the gym anymore. The only, if you had a certain pass, could you like participate in like normal life? And obviously I always have all the passes, but it still felt very scary. And we were like, let's get the fuck out of here. And like everything was sort of tight. And then that, that sale came in and we were like, oh, that's cool. It's like really, it's very helpful. So anyways, fast forward. We go fly to Miami. We're there for a couple months. I wake up one morning. I get a charge back from this dude. So he already ordered from us. He's a reoccurring customer. So it was kind of weird. Then he filed it under unknown charge. But he ordered it to his company in his with his company credit card. So like unless someone at the company like stole his shit and is like buying ten thousand dollar magazines for him as a gift, which I found weird, <laughs> it was a very dubious situation. And like all of a sudden, you know, they charge back it was like a weekend, but that meant Monday or Tuesday, it was like a holiday, they were gonna deduct those like eleven racks from our account. Plus the dude still had the thing, right? So it'd be like me ordering like something for like ten K keeping it and then finally charge back. And I was like, fuck. So <laughs> I like drove up and down the, the like uh, East Coast, Florida, like going to ATMs, like it's on some business account with like 30K on it or something. And I would just like, try to get those 30K out, you know, before that new business day the next week. And I was like going to bank to bank. And I'm with like some sketchy ass Florida bank. And I was like one of the banks I deal with just for like my Florida business. All right. Let's try this. Cool. Yeah. So anyways, I'll just talk. I'll go back to the fact that like someone bought this magazine and did a chargeback. So then like this keeps, it's it's like a big deal. Like, you know, like it really sucks and it happens, I guess, but it was just, we did a lot of shit for this thing, blah, blah, blah. It pissed us off, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of let it slide and 
it went on for like half a year. And like, meanwhile, we're like consulting with our like attorneys. Is there anything we can do? They're all like, yeah, it's going to cost like a thousand bucks just to write a letter. You should maybe just think about letting it go. Do you know who this guy is? This dude, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you know who it is. We're getting getting to this part. Yeah. Obviously, I have his home home address. He like bought this item from us. So, um, so it, like, you know, our life goes on and we like finish up Florida and we go back to like Europe and every so often it gnaws at your gut. And then my wife who is like East German and she's pretty passive aggressive. So like she doesn't really voice this kind of stuff the way I do. But once in a while I'd be like, yo, what should we do with this guy? Should we just let it go? She's like, nah, because then like one day we're going to be like the poor people on some shitty vacation in like Mexico and like sitting at some resort table and people are going to be like talking and saying like, Oh yeah, this year, this was all we could afford because like we got fucked over by this business guy way back when. So I got it. Like I understood like we can't let, like can't let it slide. So what do we do? Right. So my wife like built, got a URL, like the same as like this dude with like a different like ending on it and then put a picture up of him saying that like he doesn't pay his bills. So then we did a YouTube channel and we did an Instagram account. Meanwhile, we're like sort of going on their social, like broadcasting this message of love and tolerance, as I call it. And none of this is really doing anything besides like aggravating even more because now one is like actively pursuing it and you're not getting any results. Plus you got fucked over. Plus the item is still with the dude. And you kind of like think like you bought this thing before the new year with his company credit card to file it as a deduction. And then that a chargeback kept the item and like got it, got up on us. So little did he know who he was dealing with. We, um, I, I've opened up Craigslist Albany and I put up an ad saying that like under subject line, I just wrote revenge. And then I wrote that, like I'll pay people like, I think it was like a hundred dollars to go up in front of this guy's business and like hold a sign saying that he doesn't pay his bills. So I got like, I don't know, 300 applicants. And I mean, some of these, I mean, I was thinking of doing t-shirts with some of them because they're just really pretty good. And like, like one of them, I remember he's like, yeah, I'll do it. I think I'm, I'm like the man for the job. And I, I, I'm not scared of this guy. I also know how to fight. So like these, that kind of, kind of talk started happening. And then one couple wrote me, they're like, yeah, we're three hours away or two and a half hours away up even further upstate, but we got messed over last year, like by someone didn't get paid. So this, this feels like super at home for us. So we think we would be the right candidates to help you out. So it was pretty cool having one of those moments. So uh, I didn't pick any of those people. I just picked randoms. And the, one of the kind of like part of the deal is that like I pay them 50 to like, show me a picture of the sign with like, you know, the name on it and like the, 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 you know, whatever we decided on writing. And then another 50 after they deliver a picture of like them standing in front of this dude's business with the sign. And the first person sent it and I was like, Oh my God, bro, I would not want that person in front of my business holding that sign. So, um, Can you describe what they look like? No, no. Cause they helped me. I'm not going to like, okay. on them. they were, yeah, yeah. they were cool. I'm just saying like, it just like it, it. I noticed in the media, like this, I might be onto the right thing here, kind Got of it. moment. <laughs> and um, so nothing really happened. Then, meanwhile, we hired this in-person debt collector. That's like someone that follows you through your life and like goes up to you in the supermarket and kind of like in a loud tone will say like that you owe money. <laughs> um, 
we got this guy going and more signs. How much I'm does that cost? Fight. That sounds like a, I mean. Well, well, we'll get to that part too. Okay. Um, so like this, none of this stuff is really like the guy hasn't paid. So I hire more people. This time you I gotta told him to respect like, the guy's resilience. I mean, at this point I would have caved. Yeah. He was still following me on Instagram. <laughs> so like, he was still like looking at my stories. So was it clear that then, like you were sending these people? Did he know? Yeah, pretty. Yeah, it was. It was, it was pretty clear. Okay. Um, but but for the sake of like pleading the fifth, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. So no, what happened? Like I said that. Like all right. Well then, let's. We got to expand this campaign, and like put these like signs like in, in people's car like windows. You know, like that work there. It was like an industrial kind of part of town where there's other printing houses. So like I said, like put the like these these flyers like on the in between the windshield wiper and the in the windshield and they did that and then next we decided to expand the campaign even further and go to the you know the other companies in that area and also do put that in front, on, on their windshield and then we decided to put them on the telephone mask with like a you know like a like a stapler and then at some point, we get a mail. I think I was, just, I was just in London over the summer. I get a mail in London, and it was like from this collection dude. He's like, he was kind of like a lawyer or something too. And like, he was like, yeah, the guy got in touch, and he's like, he wants to pay. I was like, all right, cool. And then he's like, yeah, but you know, like, he'll pay so and so much. We're like, nah, nah, nah. We, we're paying double. And then like, he was kind of weaseling around on it, and he didn't want to do it. But we settled, um, and everybody got paid, even the in-person collection guy, on top of like that fee right that, that he took from us so all, all in all if i added it together i'm not the best in math i have like a like a night school high school degree from florida so you know <laughs> academics isn't really my strong point but i added it together and it was like the ten thousand for the magazine plus 30 euros for the shipping then another like ten thousand i don't think i recouped another shipping but so it was like twenty thousand thirty for that cover right so night school in florida back and forth i'm the guy that sold the magazine for twenty thousand bucks but you know it was it was it was it was it didn't come easy because like nothing i do does you know what i mean like that interview with like lear cohen where he's like nothing comes easy to me i'm, I'm always scared <laughs> my fingers on the trigger the safety isn't on <laughs> so, where, so where's it was it was funny because i saw lear cohen like here in berlin and like in front of Soul House and he he was walking out and out of the house and like um, he almost tripped and I kind of caught him and we had this moment where we looked at each other and it was like this foggy Berlin fall day and it was like I look at him he looks at me I'm like you're fucking Lear Cohen and he's like yeah I am I'm like that's fucking crazy uh, I heard I, I really liked your interview that you did on the Breakfast Club like years ago and like, I'm sure you didn't expect that, like almost falling and falling on your face here in the middle of Berlin, like in the winter and someone telling you like this reference, you're like, no, actually not. But it's just weird what an effect one can have sometimes, right? Without even being aware of it. So anyways, that was the story of like pain and suffering of this year. But you know, if that's the worst, you know, that's, the, that's still pretty good. So where does, but, um, when I think of, think of you, first of all, you don't sound like a pretty white girl. So I feel like I'm being catfished right now, but <laughs> where, <laughs> where does this eccentricity come from? You know, just the, 
the fact that you even came up with a $10,000 magazine to begin with, let alone hire a dude to follow the guy around the grocery store screaming, you owe me money, which actually sounds like a f- phenomenal in terms of revenge. But like, <laughs> what in, in your life, is there a certain like impetus of something that happened or is it just the way that you were, you were raised or where, where did this all start? Can you put your finger on like the, the Kippenberger page turn? Like what happened or where did they come from? From having a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> seriously though. I'm this- Yeah, seriously. Like when I compared dicks, like in like fifth grade or something, mine was always bigger. You know what I mean? So like from a very early age, like I knew there, that, you know, there was something that I was different. <laughs> so is this just in the locker room when you're like in fifth grade, you're changing clothes. Everybody was playing fucking dodgeball and they come in and they're like, holy shit, your dick no, is huge. No, no, no. It was, no, it was specific. No, look, it isn't down to the knee, but I'm just saying like we were walking on this like sports field in Greenwich, Connecticut, where we'd like run around during like our PT classes or whatever, but we were walking and then I don't know why, but like kids, weird like every like kind of pulled her pants down like did the dick comparison and like my dick was the biggest and then i was like all right well that's settled (laughs) and you know i think that that must have had some sort of something to do with it i'm pretty sure how do you walk this line of being edgy because if you look at you know i've been following you for a long time since we since we met you know i've always been following your social and and looking at what you do and and you're always kind of on this this edge right and i know the the edge that you're on you you in, in private go, go farther beyond that edge, but how do you know where, where to stop? How do you go to the edge without going overboard? How do you know where that line is? Cause you always seem to be right there. I always think of what the judge is going to say, you know, like I'm always think of like, <laughs> like, you know, me in front of a court being judged by my peers, like in here in Germany, I had that pleasure or displeasure. Well, it was actually a pleasure cause I learned a lot out of it, but I was, I was put up in front of court because of something and there was, there's a, they have like a proper judge, but he was like my neighbor. He lived in like the penthouse across the road, literally like the other side of the road, same floor building. So certain socioeconomic advantage, like knowing this, he knew that about me too. But what, what I couldn't control was there was two like day, day judges, something they translate to something similar. It's like, um, like, a a layman judge that they just pick some tax paying asshole out of society, you know, uh, you know, probably someone you wouldn't get along with, uh, in, in, in real life. And they take two of these people kind of like, um, when you get a court summons to be like, um, a jury or whatever, but here they don't have the jury. They have these two citizens who judge with the professional judge. So these two cunts, they like leaned up against me, and kind of like dethroned the judge's uh, original idea, what he was going to like hand out to me and overturned it still worked out in my favor in the end, but a lot of hundred thousand dollars later. So after I saw that, this was like 20 years ago, like after I saw that back then, I knew that like those were the people that's obviously they're the enemy, but like <laughs> an enemy to them. Um, like I need to do everything I do like out of their eyes, right? Like, so if like there's these Russians that like are tending downstairs, like in front of our house, like in this pretty bougie neighborhood and they're fucking violent, bro. I, they look like killers, you know, like they're not good people. Uh, trauma back and forth. I don't want them living in front of my house. So when they're screaming around, my first thought goes to killing them. 
like lighting them on fire and killing them. No, like, can you please be quiet or whatever? It goes directly there. Now, like, I play it, I'll lie in my bed, and that's the first thing that comes to me, and it, like, catches a hold of me, like OCD, and that's all I can think of. So I know if I did that, and I was sitting in front of that judge and these, like, these layman judges again, that would play hard. They'd be like, what happened? You know, and like, yeah, there's these homeless people outside. This guy lit them on fire. Now they're dead. There's no like, they, you don't know how bad it was. There's no like, it really bothered me. Uh, it really fucked with my sleep cycle. Like, there's none of that. You're immediately the guy that lit the other guy on fire, no matter what. So like, well, most people wouldn't it, go straight to the Molotov. I mean, there might be like, a, no, it wasn't. It was, no, that was way too much effort. It was straight up just like dousing and lighting. Like there was not even like the, 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 the you know, the, the effort of the bottle. But like what I'm saying is like, then I'll think of like abbreviated versions. Like I'll be like, can we do paint? Can we do water? Like, and then like, I can't even do a little bit of it. Like I can't do one of those. Even if I did one and got away with it, then I would go around town doing that to all of them. You know what I mean? So like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, I can't pick it up. Not even once that thought, you know, or the action. And now it all solves itself. There's these other kids in the street and like, these, they're like these little shitheads and they're like squirting them with water. And then they attack them with like, like crowbars and the police came and like really fucked up these, like these, these, these homeless Russian people that are really pretty messed up people, period. So it's like hands off. Right. And that's how it is online too. Right. I mean, like shit, there's so much stuff. Like I, <laughs> I got it typed up. <laughs> I don't post it, you know, cause I just know like how the algorithm, even in writing, like between on, on meta products, you know, like writing on WhatsApp or, um, um, you know, uh, what, what else like Instagram, whatever. I just don't, I refrain from using certain language because I know it's being tracked, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, gonna mess with my business or with the business who like the person writing it and like you know i'm not like them discussing some power to shit it's just like like i, I don't know it's, it's weird i was just thinking about that since that thing with like what happened and and like i mean you can cut this part out but just like f- for the sake of the dialogue like what happened now in, in in with with elon buying you know the one social tool and like now there's finally it feels a little bit like one t one my team won or something, you know, or at least that this other horrible team that was in control the whole time is like the only one in control. But it like, I, I was thinking about that, that like, you know, through this editing or censoring of oneself's words, like how that like goes over into real life and how the effect for me personally has been, I haven't been laughing as much as I used to, you know, cause like, like I'm so I'm living such a censored life of like how I, you know, kind of like what just censored period. Right. So that was interesting to me and like it felt i felt like a little bit of like rejoice with like where the dude walked out with the sink or you know <laughs> it's just like it's like fuck dude fine like it's not like it, it might be a, a, you know at least like there's a chip in the wall you know big one too yeah it's it's or, hard to, to to function in a society that's just waiting to jump on you they just want to they yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not even just you it's just they're just waiting for anyone anyone so that they can they can do their thing it it becomes part of of somebody's identity that they're the person that gets people it seems like i don't know i like i said uh night school florida high school (laughs) right like like push me into the shallow end you know like i'm not qualified to talk on that i i can only observe and i can only like do like keep my side of the street clean 
and you know whatever the other people do they do but i mean i think my version of what you're talking about with the judge is you know i have um i live in america so i have guns and I remember being at the gun store and I was looking up at all the, you know, the rifles up on the, up on the wall. And you've got, you know, you've got the, the evil black rifles and you've got the shotguns and these other things. And I looked at, and I wanted to get a shotgun and I looked at one shotgun and it was black. And I looked at the other shotgun and it was wood. And I go, huh, if I have to shoot someone in my house, which one of these guns do I want the prosecutor to hold up above their head? And I go, probably not the black one because the black one looks like it's made made for (laughs) killing people. The other one looks like it's for shooting clay pigeons out in the backyard or whatever. So it's, you know, which one do you want? You know, if you have to defend your family in your home, if there's an invasion or something, which one do you want presented as evidence? And obviously you want the one that looks like it's for killing geese. (laughs) Right. Good. Well, that's definitely I'm making a mental note of that when I'm in Florida now for six months. So what does it take to tap into the luxury market? Like vehicles seems to be succeeding really well. You know, you, you, you got a guy to not that you got the $10,000 thing, which is super interesting, but, but even more successful is that you've been selling a ton of the magazine at 200 bucks, which is, you know, that's, that's a lot for, for a magazine. So what is it about um, what you're doing that was able to tap into the luxury market of, you know, kind of, you know, the boating, the, the cars, like this kind of boating cars, watches, skateboarding, like all these different angles. How did you do that? Or what, what is it about vehicle that is, is so attractive? Um, I think, well, the short answer, is, I mean, it's like when I was working with cars, like when I, when I started with cars, like there wasn't like car porn yet. Right. There was like maybe one or two niche guys doing it the way I thought I liked it. Right. Where it was like a mix of like a skate video, a music video and pornography. But like, you know, these times are quickly forgotten, but this is like 10 years ago, Porsche was putting out horrible content. Um, period, you know, like cars where the sound wasn't synced for that car, or like horrible, elevator music or you know they even still put out this kind of stuff once in a while but it was it was a um just a like a, a crack in the in the sky you know where i could see okay i can like i can use this to my advantage and like do something here that hasn't been done before and i think that's sort of where that whole thing started where like we got hired by this young kid who had bought the right to a uh, off like a classic offshore brand called Kama, which was piloted by a woman who was the first, turned out to be the first offshore world champion woman ever, I think, up to that point, or even to today, and this was like in 1977, and she was her grandma, too, really cool boat, if you guys can Google it, Kama with a double A, so K-A-A-M-A. Yeah, I know it. Um, very sick. So, um, yeah, so the guy, like, hired us to, to help him, like, you know, because I have, like, an agency, too, that helps with sort of, like, special needs meets the wolf and Pulp Fiction kind of job. Um, he hired us to help him resurrect this brand and, and do the brand strategy for it. And uh, I was like, dude, I didn't like power boning. Like what? It's like NASCAR, right? I mean, it's not even a sport. And he's like, nah, it is and it isn't. But you should fly to Key West and have a look at this uh, world championship that's there in November. And he paid for it. We flew there, took a look at it. And it was pretty grotesque. You know, like there's like, you know, confederate flags and like that kind of like like kind of situation where it's, it's, it's like you know not judging it saying like that's what it was 
is what it is. And we got taken out like a little bit into the, like, um, like off the racetrack in the water, like saw these like boats coming by with like whatever, 4,000 horsepower. And it just happens to you, right? Where it's like, you don't need to like it or not like it. It's just impressive, like no matter what. And then I took the job and then we sort of like helped, got an insight into the boating world and like powerboat. I grew up with a sailboat. So my dad used to say that people with powerboats are trash. So that was kind of like my, you know, like growing up mentality. And yeah, it was interesting and not also very boring because like if you look at all these hulls, it's just like five hulls that they keep like stepping on for the last like, 50 years like there's no real in the classic sense right a right. deep v hull. it's not like something like where you know there's like it's like a car right where it's like it's always the thing with four wheels on it and like some metal it's like yeah someone does a better shape or more displacement in the engine whatever you know so anyways it was just more like the people surrounding it and then we, we found this one story within this like environment about like um you know these two power boaters that were building boats and racing them in Miami. And uh, one of them is said to have had the other guy whacked. So this is like the folklore. Like you ask 10 people about this, you'll get 10 different answers. They'll all be there magically. They were all there that day. The people that are going to tell you about this, they were there that day. They know what happened, but not really. And now you're talking about uh, Ben Kramer and Don Aaron now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, we just went at it like very sober and my, I can barely spell my name. I'm dyslexic. So like I hired like my guy that does all my like work with me on all my like writing stuff. And we really researched this thing for like half a year and just went through court records and came up with this like 33 page expose, which is nothing more than the court records just put in a way that you don't fall asleep when you read them. Right. So it's like, um, just a expose and yeah so we package that in, in, a, in a way that you know it's, it's um like has a you know d- with some design and just like some different papers we didn't put ads in it and like I, everything's very nerdy like i when i get a magazine which i don't often i'll smell it first right that's the first thing i do and then like most magazines are published in china or whatever and you touch them you feel like you're gonna get like skin cancer right they have this like smell it's like really nasty and so that was like i was big on that that we 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 printed it here in germany for like way more than what you're supposed to print that stuff for and um no ads and uh just different covers so we sold a few different covers and did these inlays with friends of ours so just to offset some of the print costs and then yeah then you have this thing you put all like a year into it and then, like, the idea isn't like, oh, yeah, we're going to listen to everyone sell for 12 bucks. I'm like, fuck no. So, like, it kind of, like, took care of itself. And then COVID happened that week when we went, like, live. And then all bets were off. We didn't know. We didn't know, like, that it was going to work. You know, like, we didn't know. We had fucking a lot of magazines sitting around, right, to, for it not to work. And it did. And that's just life. You know, like, sometimes shit works out and sometimes it doesn't. And I can say that, like, my catalog, when I look at it um, from the last 20 years of work, it's all based on that, right? It's all based on just having done something I wanted to do originally the way I wanted to do it uh, with mostly people telling me it's not going to work. And very rarely it didn't. But for the most part, you know, God's pretty protective of me. You know what I mean? So like, there's a limit to where I'll be fucked with, but then I carry the vengeance of a million men, which I think a lot of people don't. I think most people are just pretty clueless and like, you know, let things go. I don't. So, 
that just as an interlude, I don't know why, but that that is a big part of it, right? Where like the story with the with the guy with the with the chargeback, I think a lot of people would probably just like calculated that as an expense or as a loss, and I wasn't willing to do it. And through that, it gives me confidence that you know it's much easier to live in peace after a war you've won, right? So you know sure. the other way around, it's it's not it's not that it's not that forgiving. And I think the universe puts a mark on you if you are a victim or like victimize yourself and it'll, it'll indicate that to other people that, that are more aggressive or more predatory that you have like that sort of like a, like it, it radiates from you like a, like some on some primal level where like maybe we smell it subconsciously or some shit. That's why I think, or maybe sometimes I think that, but it, it is addictive. Like one failure can lead to the next, the same as one success can lead to the next, right? It's very, usually in a small window of time um, that like you're successful, or in my case, I also have a lot of failure behind me. So like the success happened quick, but also measured against the years and years where things weren't going that quick, or, you know, like the success wasn't, measure, wasn't that measurable in those increments of like pulling something Yeah, it's interesting how success begets more success, right? It's when you're—I don't know if it's just—is it could be psychological, like personal momentum too. Like in in what you what you talk about, what does what people can smell it on you? I think you could probably smell it on yourself too. Yeah, it's um, it's weird. It's humbling, right? Because like you like you know, I just always think back to like certain sentences of like important people that I respect what, how they would talk about that. And it's like, yeah, well, it's easy when people start telling you you're the shit to still doubt yourself. You know what I mean? Or like to treat every day, like you're the intern, like that's usually where I'll go. And also like trying just to like stuff, like not love it. You know what I mean? So like, like, like loving stuff gets me like drunk, you know, and I can't see and it makes me blind and it'll make me fixate on having to be a certain way and then losing sight of it if I don't get that way. So keeping more like someone we know said, like uh, enthusiastic, enthusiastically energized versus like balls out, like obsessed, right? Like that was a big one, right? Where it was just like, hey, we're all going to die. Don't take it so seriously. If it doesn't work out, it'll work out some other way. And that was a big one, you know, but that also, hey, it's easier to say that once you've like sold a couple million, <laughs> you know, like in magazines, like that nobody thought you were going to sell. Right. Right. But be- before that, it was, it was some belief or some, my mother that installed like too much, like you can do it in me that like maybe made that happen. Who knows? Nobody knows. Well, you, but, she, um, you genetically got the big dick. I think we've already confirmed that that's the... <laughs> That's, that's yeah, all, that's yeah. All. I don't know if that came from happened for well, I I didn't check the rest of the family, but um yeah, no, that, that definitely that was definitely um the the burning bush moment. So yeah, now it's just about like 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 doing keeping, right? <laughs> like like you know, like keeping the, the thing moving. Well that's what I was that leads me to another question that I had is how do you you know, I would say a vehicle is very avant-garde. It's kind of always been cutting edge, always been edgy, as we talked about earlier. And now, and, and what made me think of it is you talked about how Porsche used to do really shitty work, right? It, it just wasn't good. Just for Porsche, for example, I think a lot of 
manufacturers did really shoddy work you know 10 12 years ago in terms of the in the, in the media space and now everybody's like high production supercar porn you know uh they have these marketing campaigns where they pair with artists and it's supposed to be hip and cool and everybody's doing you know all these different collaborations and blah 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 so you're being chased right so these are things that like you you were doing and and other people that were cutting edge were doing so you're being chased in terms of what are the good avant-garde ideas. How do you like consistently, you know, move on and and from, you know, doing what you were doing. All of a sudden, everybody else catches up. Where, how do you turn like pivot and just do something else? Like, how do you come up with the new ideas? Mm. Well, just like I can just talk on like where I'm right now, right? Where yeah, yeah. it's 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 basically that one issue. And then we like sell it out and we did a, like a new edition. So I figured I could never, the thing was so uncompromised, the, 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 the thing in itself, the print edition that I was like, I could never duplicate this or make a better version. This is, this is it. So using that momentum, it was like a business card, right? Like, like a lot of people got, got it. Right. And it was weird. Cause it was like a, like a very diverse audience. We had these like power boating enthusiasts and then we had like Drake's manager or whatever. Right. So it was like a mix of like blue collar and celebrities and killers. And you know, like really, I swear to God, like a very mixed sex. And I guess like that, that fan base, if you listen to it, to a certain extent, I mean, there was a time where people, there was this Facebook campaign they had going when we were selling like a lot. Like if I put up like a video on a group and then shared it into five others, like this would usually take place. People like started this rumor, like the same way they say that like Tom Hanks, like kills children or which he probably does. I can't say that. That was just a joke. Not, not, not bleep it out. I can't afford a lawsuit with Mr. Hanks. Anyways, like they said that like the magazine wasn't real. It's <laughs> like a thing. It was a thing. So I don't know if that helped sales, but it was very bizarre to watch. And it was just like this online lynch mob of like people who owned like a oil and lube store in Pittsburgh with one and a half star rating on Google because I like tracked most of these people down and like, you know, the cheap offenders. And I don't know what's wrong with these people. They're fucking nuts. But I always took that very personal and um, it like had an impact on me. I don't know, not in a good way. And just because it's probably not, well, it's not true. So like if it would be different if they got the magazine, were unhappy with it or, or to say hey, like there's something not right about it or like the story's wrong or whatever, I have a correction for you. But just this blind sort of stupidity and hatred mixed together, like, yeah, sure, get over it. But like, you know, it, it, like these people are like, like two in the morning writing you, you know, like it's like, yeah, you can't block them all out, you know, like they do get through somehow. And are they just upset are, that you kind of, because if you look at the off, some of, I know some guys that are into offshore racing and they were unhappy that you were giving Ben Kramer any, any news at all, any press at all. They were just unhappy about that. Uh, you know, was it that or what? Just, I don't, like I said, again, it's not my business. My business is putting out products. So like I, I, I was just keeping a track of it because I wanted to know if it had to do with like the quality or the story, whatever it never did. Um, most people, the best ones were like, your magazine sucks. It sucks. It's fake. You're, 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 you're cop, you're stealing stuff. And I was like, did you read the magazine? 
no, no, you suck. <laughs> like, oh my God. And then I, I started pushing back. Like I would like find out who it is. I'd get their phone number and I'd fucking call them up. And I'd be like, here I am. What's up? So like either prove what you're saying or shut the fuck up. Or I'm going to sue you for fucking defamation. How does that phone call you don't, go? You Are they like, oh, I'm so sorry. That's exactly how that phone call went. Yeah. The guy was, uh, I was on the treadmill at Soul House, at the Soul Farmhouse, like outside of London, like in the Cotwalls next to David Beckham's house. And I made that phone call. And the guy, big guy online, you know, Mr. Big Shot and his, his lovely wife, uh, he, he said, uh, uh, I can't speak. I'm very sick. I think he even did a little. He, I think he even did a little cough for me, <laughs> and and I said, "You have my number now. Like, you know, you have a problem, call me up, and we'll discuss it." Never called back. So I did that a few times, like a few people, and it kind of took care of it. And I noticed that it's just like it's just it's it's sad, right? And yeah. So anyways, that was like one thing that sort of like. I don't even know how that came up. Probably just the vulnerability of talking about it, but it did annoy me. And then, thank God, like, it sort of segued over to more, like, level-headed people. And those opportunities of this fan base or the people I came in touch with um, on that side of the fan base, those led to um, critique, right? So, like, if you have people that you're dealing with that you respect, and you're putting stuff out, I always think about, like, what would they think about it, right? Like, in a way where, like, not like, like, some dick rider or something, but, like, more like quality control of, like, these peers that like my stuff, and, like, the next thing, they need to like that, too. So it needs to be of a certain, you know, effort and a certain cut out of the same cloth, and that's, that, that, that's what keeps the, the quality control going, Plus, I'm half German, so that's, that's obviously also a part of it. But, um, and my wife, obviously, she's fully German, and she's like, you know, a huge part of it. So, um, yeah, that team, like the team, the unit, and then like having these peers that I respect, and like uh, you know, fans that I respect, and uh, we have so many different people. Like people, I that's the biggest like gift. Let's just um, sure, like making like a shit ton of money with something you like is fun, but. Like, we have this race team that we started, like, I don't even know when, like, out of fun, like, two years ago. And we teamed up with this pilot of a race boat here in Europe. And he just won the world championship in Como, Italy, where we kind of, like, hung out because it's, like, on the other side of the border of Switzerland where we, we, were, we were hanging out during COVID. Yeah, when you look at your and Instagram, got- that, that photo is right there of that boat being lowered into the water. Yeah, that's this year. And this was, like, uh, two years before. We didn't know him yet. And then we got in touch, and we just, like, he's from Holland, young, and his family, his brother, they both was raised. This, was this a connection that you got from, you know, doing the other offshore stuff? Like, all of a sudden, someone was like, hey, you really should meet this no. guy. Nah, nobody, no, no. I was sitting on the terrace at Villa Desk eating lunch, and, like, the boat race was going on in the background. Like, and, like, I had a photographer there uh, who was taking some pictures for us just for shits and giggles, and I published those, and then somehow that got into the hand of them. But, no, I was not connected with that, with that unit. And... Anyways, long story short, we got into it, and we're like, let's do something. He wanted some publicity, so we're like, all right, well, let's put a vehicle on the boat. And that kind of took place, and then I found another friend of mine, that's the one I was having lunch with on, on the terrace. He, he does a watch brand called Unimatic. They do a lot of, like, 
drops, weekly drops are made in Italy. They're like a, like, um, like a sub thousand dollar watch, but like they move units and they're very popular and they've done a lot of collaborations with, um, you know, some of the car guys like Amos, uh, who I don't care for, but nice watch. And, um, you know, they're just like in the watch world, they're sort of like one of the young up and comers. They did like something with undefeated, you know, so they're like, they're, they're, they're known. And we decided to do a team watch together this year, which is only for the team. And, you know, we, we put a few up for sale, which are selling three times the amount of like what the regular watch Disney put out a watch a week earlier with them in the highs and and our watch is selling for three times the amount of that Disney watch. So I like to tell myself that, you know, we're more beloved. That's not hard, but more <laughs> beloved than Disney. Hey, when so, you when you upsell uh, Mickey Mouse, you're doing all right. There's a Mickey Mouse on the watch. And like <laughs> that, 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 I do think that's quite a, quite an achievement. But anyways, long story short, it was, we, we used this team, we built that up and then we won another world championship. <laughs> but like, there's no money running here. You know, this is like an expensive sport. There's no sponsors. Like these people are driving their boats from like Holland to Italy, like the like a overnight kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like it's like a family race sport, like go karting or whatever. Like all in. And um, so, anyways, they won again, and then we were attached to it already, and sort of like talking about it. And we had a few people sort of looking at it, and you know, they're all like doing a checkup, but they didn't give us any leverage, you know, and it was funny. And like I like driving back from that second win. Uh, the world championship, I was like, ah, oh, phone's going to be off the hook the next day, you know, like with offers and all kinds of shit. <laughs> Not one single call, you know? And it reminded me of Louis C. Clark that like was talking about that when he like did Letterman for the first time. And like, he thought like after that, like the next day, like his agent would be like calling nonstop. And he had like all these like HBO or Showtime special offers. Like he said, Not one phone call the next day. Right. So a lot of it is that too, right? Like having like putting in all the effort, the accounts are emptier than they were before and like not to expect anything, you know, just to, you know, hold yourself accountable for whatever you just did and for the team. And like, that's, that's it. There is no, there is no golden carrot yet. And, um, that's usually like, like, I was just thinking about that. Like most people, when they like sort of like have a little breakthrough, like it's a good time to stop, right. Where you're like, all right, well, take it easy, you know? And then that's a big mistake, you know? So most people I know that are successful, like way more than me, which isn't hard. They're always on. Like I have this, like, we have this like one minute club where like the people in our network that like we're linked up with that are writing, like, you know, we're on our private, like private chat numbers of people I know get up, get back to you under one minute, you know? And I have some bozos. I know some like employees that work somewhere like for Mercedes or something. And they'll leave your shit on scene for like two days. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's just. I think the perception is, is that if you reply too fast, you're desperate. You know, I try to be really no, quick that's on just, emails that's, and stuff, that's, but. Yeah, that's, that's toxic, dude. That's toxic. That's like, like you got my private number. You're on my fucking phone. Get the fuck off my phone. Like write my studio a formal email asking for an appointment, which I'm not going to come to. You know what I mean? Like, nah, nah. So the people I deal with, they're all like under that minute, unless something's going on or they're in the, well, usually they're in a plane with Wi-Fi. But like, I'm just saying, like, it's the, it's the bar to hold oneself to, or at least in my circle of friends. And that, that, it has an effect. Mm -hmm. 
You know, you do business like that. I had to, I had to deal with this one guy this weekend. I wrote him a text on like Friday. He told me he didn't have his phone on for the weekend. I'm like, and what? What? That must be nice. Like, what universe do you live in? You know. So, um, yeah, that's a big part. It's just staying connected. You know, and like being on it. And so, anyways, we we push this team along and have these products that are sort of being like a mini Red Bull or something where we have like a skateboarder now. We have a guy who uh, drives an Italian like uh, GP. We have a rally car and all these like vehicles have our, our name on it. And now we're launching like more and more products. That's like nothing new, right? But we're doing it in a way. It's just my wife and me. There's no team. There's no like hundreds of people. Like everything is just like loosely knit. Like fans mostly that help us like put up wheat posters all over the world, sticker mafia, like, and we work, it's like a family, you know, like sounds cheesy, but it, it really is like that. And then, like, we go to this race and like someone drove Eduardo heads up, man. He came from fucking San Tropez, drove to the race, never met us before just for that race and drove back the same, the same night, you know, that's like a eight hour drive. So like it's, it, it, you know, like putting something in emotion, which like isn't very popular these days and that's winning right? Because we're all equal. Like we all deserve participation trophies. Do you there think people no really think that way inwardly or do they just project that outwardly just so they don't shake? The I boat? read somewhere, I read somewhere that 60% of all people on this planet don't have an inner dialogue. So what? no, I don't, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell, if I'm going to have a conversation outside of my inner dialogue, I have to tell my inner dialogue to shut the fuck up so I can even have a conversation with a person in real life. I know. I think that's the other 40%, but like, which I'm, I'm also a part of, but there's multiple, there's multiple dialogues. But what I'm saying is like, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. But in this case, it's very evident that like at this race, there's only going to be one winner. And the thing is that I learned over the last year, since this year we finished second, um, after the two year first place win is like losing starts with second place, you know? And it also says that on the inside of our watch. So it's not broadcasted to the outside, but it's a subtle reminder to yourself that like, in this case, the others didn't even have to be good enough. They just had to cheat better. You know, so that's another one. But it goes two ways. We wouldn't have been in pole position if the other boat, like who's owned by like the Kuwaiti team, who have like a lot of resources, doesn't show up at a race with like multiple engines, and you know, like if there's a problem, they can they can fix it quicker. Uh, where you know that they they drive with a little bit less um, fear, which can also work to their disadvantage. In that case, they flip the boat. So we were in pole. So like sometimes it's enough for the other person to lose for you to win or be in number one, right? And I already saw this after covering like Cartport for many years. Like the cheating that goes on there is fucking nuts. These like like whatever one kilogram or whatever is always up for debate. It always disappears before the race and shows up again, and they're weighing, and all the kids get out of the car and they're just like standing there, like like saying they're not fucking driving before it's settled. <laughs> really great. And then look at Formula One on like Netflix. That's all it is. Like trying to catch the other person cheating and like, like uh, managing that like cheat and like making, like having the evidence before the judges call the final word. Like there's so much of that where that itself becomes a sport, right? Where it's like, it's vicious. And that's how life probably is on some level too, right? Or success. Well, is it, is it cheating or is it just trying to find an angle? 
You know, cheating well, is just kind of the easy way to just sh- throw shade on it. But realistically, if the angle is there to be pursued. Oh, okay. Well, look at this. There's like a, a boat flips, right? Which happens quite a bit. It's a big, it's, it's serious. Even in a lake. We've got choppers above. There's two, um, like, like guys in like full diving suits in the chopper. So when the boat flips, the chopper flies over to the flip boat and like the people descend and, you know, see the, try to get the pilots out which they usually do by themselves. But if they're like knocked out or it's a boat with an open canopy or whatever, like could be the next snap, they're dead. Who knows? It's a, it's a dangerous sport. So when that happens, when a boat flips, all attention goes to that, like no matter what. Right. And in this case, our case, the day before two boats flipped. So during this, there was a period where the boat flipped. The race doesn't stop. The people keep going until the yellow flag is presented. And then you can go, but you can't pass or whatever. There's restrictions. In our case, and this was just a perspective, maybe a perspective thing of our pilot. I wasn't there, so I can't like say it was or it wasn't. A pass was made, and it wasn't documented, which is weird, right? That there's like three thousand people there, no one filmed us. There's a helicopter with a camera team, nobody filmed us. So like it was like it. We were. It's on the grid. You're, you're, you're like after a race, you're pretty, you know, tired or like strung out and you're running around the grid trying to like debate, like with these Italian judges that this happened. And then they're like, well, I don't know. Like, get us some footage. And then you're running around looking for footage. And like, you get online, you look, you type, like, where's like, did anybody film this? Blah, blah, blah. And then there's a cutoff time where the judges make their decision final. If this isn't presented, which is totally normal, right? Can't wait forever. So in this case, this evidence was not able to be presented in the way that the judges needed to see it in the time they needed to see it. And then two people got disqualified because they were like racing with lighter boats and like had the jack plate up a little higher, like not on the same norm that like you needed to be to win like race in that class. So there's a lot of like moving parts. There's a lot of shit going on that like cheating, yes or no. Did the guy pass the guy? with the yellow flag i don't know it wasn't there my pilot says yes i gotta believe him and now that now like the other person the next day had enough points to where they like you know they also throw very good these are like like world championship racers i'm not throwing shade on them they're like maybe even better than our pilots i don't know they own the boat company you know what i mean they're not like (laughs) by any account like there's a lot of talent but i'm just saying it's 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 up in the air like you know you don't know it's like, you don't know. Did it? Did it not? Fact is, like, history is written by the victors. Like, <laughs> I love that. I posted this, like, meme with Norm MacDonald, and he's, like, going through a history book, and he says, funny how all the good guys always won. What a coincidence. What, or what are the odds? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? But it's, like, it, 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 it's a fact that there's a winner, and it's not us. And now the question is like, is that just a boat race? Can you like put it away, compartmentalize it and like go back to eating soybeans and like voting for the left? And I don't know, like, 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 or can you, or does it go over into your human instinct of wanting to stay alive and winning by all necessary like obstacles, you know, and does it trigger something into you for greatness and competitive angle and revenge and all this shit. And I think that has been, sort of censored out of us even if it's just by like 
me censoring the words I write into my 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 um, chat with you, <laughs> which isn't very censored. But by the way, but what 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 I'm saying, you know what I mean? Like like yeah. you're saying, does anybody think like that? And I gotta say, I'm guilty of it because I censor myself because I'm worried that like if I write the wrong shit into my DM to someone that I'm going to get shadow banned and that like it's going to fuck with my money and I got a lot of expensive hobbies and they need to be met. So it's like fear, right? It takes over and fear is a, is a tough bitch, right? Once that's installed or you got that program running, you're going to need other stuff to compensate the fear to still be happy. Right. And well, then it's, it's you, the best, it's the most useful tool by the opposition is fear. Whether that's yeah, whether, whether that's straight up war with guns, or it's psychological. I mean, either one has the same effect. Now, before we get too much further, let's take a break here and talk about our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. Oberk is your source of professional detailing compounds and supplies that is research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves. These are the guys that are actually passionate about detailing and know firsthand what makes a good product. And they truly are great products. I love it's a simple, foolproof two-step system, easy, and gives an amazing finish. And right now, they're offering a whopping 20% off your order when you use the code OVERCREST. The discount code is good not only on OBERCCARCARE.com, but also on DetailedImage.com and CarSuppliesWarehouse.com. Please go check them out today. Yeah, but in our like, our, you know, our situation where we live, just by ge- geographic or whatever, like, yeah, there's no open street on the war yet, but like, like it's technology based, right? It's right. Like, I mean, but then from here, it's like an hour with the plane, and you're in the middle of like a real war zone, you know? So it's it's pretty close. You know what I mean? Like, it's like geographically much closer than to like where you are compared to that. So like, it can happen too, you know? Like, that's also something that. I don't know how the fuck did we get to this topic? But, um, <laughs> this is how it goes, man. This is how it goes. Jesus fucking Christ. Got all depressing. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, the winning thing. I don't know. I like it. I like, I like the camaraderie and I just like, it's like old school vibes. Like it feels like the 90s. Like I like that part. Like this analog part sort of feels sort of like just like a separate set. You know, race day vibes. You know, it's different. That's, I like that. That's, that's kind of converse to the last time we talked, you were just like Tesla all day, fuck technology, fuck analog. Uh, well, this stuff's like, I don't know, a mix, you know, because like we do the product and then a lot of it goes back to digital and that reaches people through the internet. So it's a, it's a hybrid, I'd say. It's like a hybrid, sort of hybrid solution. And my big deal was that like I wanted like, the watch basically has the same color as our race class and there's a real boat and it's a multiple world champion. And then, you know, we did like a shirt that has a picture of the boat on it. But like our version of that is like we produce the shirt in Portugal, it's like handmade and it gets FedEx to like Florida to some Etsy guy I've never seen. It takes two weeks for him to airbrush the shit on there. Then it gets FedEx back to Germany my wife like looks at the quality control. Then she sews like our label into it. Then it gets like FedEx back to some other, you know, like, like, so like $700 later, you know, the shirt is made. So like a lot of money goes back in too. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's like, but it's not like if you look at some of these other brands, I don't want to name names, but they're out there. They make these shirts and they say like racing team on them. And it's like, where's your racing team? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you don't have a racing team. You're a used car salesman in Paris. You know, like, like why are you writing a racing team on your gear? It's not accurate. Well, I think that, you know, it's just kind of a, a thing that happens. You know, I don't even think no, this person nothing is, happens. No, that's no, a it's, choice. I know. It's a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, let me rephrase it. I think that they aren't doing it in a way they're like, well, we don't have a race team, but we're just going to pretend that we do. I think that it just becomes like a marketing tool that they're like, oh, we'll just put racing uh-huh. team on there. And then that's like, no, that's like from like the movie with, uh, with Tom Hanks where he's like in the future we're with Tom Hanks again, but he is a very good actor in this film. Um, the one that plays in the future and there's like these different versions of the people and like it's by the matrix guys or girls, yeah, it's like whatever you want to call it. Massive movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It was shot here in Berlin, by the way, by also Tom Taker, the German guy who did Lola runs. Run, run so anyways, there's the, 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 one of the plots, like the subplots is like the, 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 the Android woman who like gets caught, like gets into leading the resistance and blah, blah, blah. And then they ask her, like, at the beginning of the interview, like, where it's just before they execute her. She has, like, one thing. They're, like, recording it or whatever, just to, like, like uh, for the archive. And, like, the guy starts out, the guy from The Matrix, who plays the cop in The Matrix, like, the agent. And he, he asks her, what's your version of the truth? And she answers and says, truth is the singular. Uh, plural is mistruth. <laughs> so it's, like, it really depends on, like, how you hold yourself accountable. Like, you know, are you going to write, you're going to write a world champion on your shirt too. If you're not, and now we're back to the point about winning, because if you know, like it's that part in like that Jordan documentary where they ask him and they go, so what do you say to the people that like criticized your management, like uh, style in and off the court? And then he gets kind of like salty and like comes out of his chair and he says, well, they've never won anything. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the I think the problem is is that winning has become something that is it's being manipulated into something that's not valuable anymore. It's seen as something that you shouldn't worry about winning. It's not something that you need or you, that you shouldn't want. And I think a lot of a lot of life is finding the compromise because you can't win at everything. You can't. You can try, and sometimes the the effort is part of the the reward, but there's still a huge amount of reward in actually winning. It's, it's really, really important. And it's, uh, and it's just not heralded anymore. I don't know. Like I said, that's also like for the others to decide in our case, the great thing is when you're a world champion, like you can use that forever. You can write that on your shirt, even when you're not. And if I sold my company, they would be allowed to write it on their like gear and on their boat and into their history, which mm-hmm. I think is transferable, which I think is interesting. Right. right. So like if like t- Apache and uh, cigarette, they, they use that on every shirt. They haven't won a race since 1986. You know what I mean? So it's like once a winner, always a winner, you know? So that's also, I like, I like that part. You know what I mean? It's right. like, yeah, we won. It's like Oscars. Like, you know, you're always, you're always going to be in the media. It's always going to say Oscar nominee or presidential candidate, you know, it's ne- or, you know, it doesn't go away. Or a guy so that slapped some- a guy on stage, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to be. No, they don't write about that guy at all. Like that's like, it never gets, it, 
oddly enough, that one never gets mentioned. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the, like uh, the other direction. You know, like he, that's uh, that doesn't, doesn't work. That's under that's under the rug. So what's what's next for for you? Like outside of vehicle vehicle, what are you wanting to do? Is there anything, or is is it everything vehicle vehicle all the time? Um, well, at the moment, well, see, I, I worked for Vice like many years ago, and Vice started off as like a punk skateboard magazine that was uncensored. So like it was rough. There was like a one article, 10 ways to be an asshole. And one was like to dress up as a clown and kick pregnant women in the stomach. So that sort of like formed my identity with like at 14, 15, 16. And Larry Flint later bought it. But it started with the guys who did Jackass, the big, like the big brother guys. And um, that later went to do Jackass. So it started as that and then turned into Vice. And then Vice, that's not 100% right, but I'm saying that like that energy at that time and space and a similar group of people, they put out these sort of like skate porn punk magazines that were hugely popular. Um, Vice then became more and more popular, but it was for free. And then when I came to that company um, here in Germany, my girlfriend at the time, her ex-boyfriend was like the CEO he hated me because she left him for me. So he hired me to torture me. The position was so good, I took it. And at that point, um, Spike Jones, he was involved. And we we're looking at how to segue the print magazine into moving images and becoming like media savvy online. And so I was hired to come up with formats. I was the head of production for, for the German-speaking uh market which is the third biggest in the world by the way and they had like 70 offices so we came up with formats that still exist today like art talk or practice space where we'd like make little video formats and um yeah it was very i mean we had like a bar in our in our office and like cocaine in our like drawers you know what i mean like it was a pretty we had to sign the paperwork when we got employed that said that it's a sexual environment we can't sue anyone for anything sexual so like it was it was pretty dope, and um, we did it was it was fun. So I had that experience behind me already. Like, and I feel like I'm at this kind of a similar space right now where I'm segueing this print edition, which is like vehicle magazine, but we also had vehicle racing team. You know, so there's like vehicle itself is like the the you know the 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 word we're focusing on. And now, yeah, I mean, we, we I'm really interested in like food and beverage, so. We have, uh, we started this half a year ago. We had we got hired this food scientist in Germany, a fan, uh, started working together with him. And we start, we did two duplicate kitchens, one in Bavaria and one in Miami. And we wanted to make gummies, but, um, not using pectin and like horrible stuff. And all these gummies you see at the supermarket, like vitamin C, fiber, whatever it is, they're all made using the same, pretty much the same three essential ingredients which are not great let's put it that way and we wanted to do like a clean version of it with like gelatin from grass-fed um grass-fed cows and then add some different things to it along the way like uh, some different needs you know things see but do a clean version of it and we started cooking this and spending a lot of time. My wife was cooking them in Miami and the, the food scientist in, in Bavaria. And we're like, like doing this on the phone all day long. Like meanwhile, like doing running the other parts of the business. But like 
got really into cooking and like making these items. And then we came up with a prototype that was really good and really clean, really yummy. And then we tried to go to market with, I had someone produce it. And like, we couldn't find someone that could like make it with those ingredients on that level because everything is measured in like metric tons, like the ingredients. So if you come with your ingredients list and you say you want to do a salad, they'll be like, yeah, find someone, first of all, who will, who will do that because it's a very secretive world. There's a lot of NDAs, like everything like operates on a kind of like shadow business world. So like, yeah, well then buy half a ton of this gelatin for 75 grand, you know? Right. <laughs> That's just one of the ingredients. So like before you know it, you're going to need like a couple million just to like put the pr- production together and like to just get distribution in order and, and sell and market the shit. So it's, it's, it's something we had people come at us with not involved with any parts of my vehicle stuff, but just, you know, money people. And after a few meetings with these people, I was like, I would pay money never to have to like deal with these people or see them again, you know? And that's where we left it. Um, but it didn't go away. It didn't change our, our need to eat and drink. So, um, we simplified it and went over to cold brew, which is still sort of in its infancy here in, in Germany. Well, they know how to brew shit. You gotta give that to them. So <laughs> we have these people here now who are like two companies, one in, in Munich, one in here. And we're, we have two cold brews. We just finished the ready. They taste delicious. One is from Colombia. The other one's from Ethiopia. And we're using them and using the racing team to market it. And it's a, like a huge thing, you know, like I go to these races and there's literally just one drink. There's just Red Bull. There's nothing else. Like there's no, it's not like cars, you know, where there's like so many, you lose track. Like, what is that? What is that? It's like you go and there's one, you know what I mean? And that's, that's exactly like the, the, the shit I like where you're mm-hmm. like, okay, we can either beat these people at their own game or get, big enough to where we scare them and they buy us <laughs> you know so right. we started researching red bull how they how they did it and like i remember i was going to boarding school in Berchtesgaden garden where hitler lived uh and it's close to the austrian border so like we would take these detours on the weekend when we'd go home to see our parents and go over salzburg which is already in austria and red bull was illegal in germany because it, the terrain wasn't like they didn't give that didn't pass it or whatever the food and drug people here in germany thought it was like a controlled substance and so we drove to salzburg with the with the train and would buy like a few units of red bull and smuggle them home and i remember one time i got caught by these customs dudes in the train and they took away my red bull and i stashed one so well that like i i, I managed to you know they didn't find it I took it home with me and I put it in my little well, shitty You put it right idea. next to your giant dick and no one would ever find it. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't, dude. I put it in like uh, in a backpack. But I took it home and I put it in my like shitty Ikea children's bedroom, you know, like glass vitrine and it stayed in there for a while. Like I didn't drink it. And that's sort of like, I found that inspirational. But yeah, anyways, Red Bull used to put like empty cans in club trash cans in london to make it seem like people were drinking it more than they were so i started doing that now too where i like like keep all the empty cans and then i just distribute them at the race and they're all over the place (laughs) (laughs) that's actually genius that's genius i know i know i started ordering empty cans now too from the from the manufacturer which are oddly enough not cheaper or they're a little bit cheaper than if they were filled they're just lighter (laughs) but yes so like that's like the stuff that we're doing at the moment and we're trying to do it with 
trying. We are doing it with our own capital that we make off of like our earnings, which means there are no earnings, but we also aren't fucking with other people's money. Cause like that, I have another meeting tomorrow. Like my goal was to be like acquired by LVMH. So like LVMH is owned by the Arnauds. I'm sure maybe you've heard of this name due to our, due to our friend Kanye talking about these people, but they're in a sense, French bankers who the, the father, he and Elon and Bezos and uh, the other character from Microsoft, they jump up and down the richest person of the world, depending on the week and whatever. They own a lot of things, a lot of luxury goods, a lot of real estate, banking too. Their luxury goods are LVMH, as it kind of like says, Louis Vuitton Hennessy. Uh, they have huge holdings in lots and lots of stuff. People can Google it. They probably know more than me. But that was kind of the goal. And I like their product. You know, they, they like a product and then they buy the company because they don't want a competition and they want to use it. So they bought the Belmont Hotel chain, uh, which are like fantastic hotels. I don't know if you like Portofino, like, you know, like, like where the Kardashians have their whatever, their, their, their wedding, you know, like these like grand hotels. And they took it over and they did a good job in sort of like making it more LVMH y. And then they bought Aqua de Palma, which is like a cologne company. And then that is in all the showers with their name on it. So it's like Aqua de Palma Belmont. So like they, their vision, you know, is like to do all like vertical 360. They own everything they like, which I think is cool. Sure. And um, so I was, my, I was always gearing our product towards being interesting for them. And, you know, they're invested with Supreme and um, being in that, you know, kind of like sphere. And now like one of the LVMH guys, like I started like going out and putting up wheat paste posters and like doing a little bit of stickering and a little bit of graffiti and stuff like like a year ago or so. Now I'm like totally obsessed with it. And I'm like up putting up like wheat paste posters on this old porn store I used to go to here in Berlin that went bankrupt. And I'm putting these wheat paste posters of our cover of the magazine up on this porn store windows and with my, with my wife and we together as the team, when we're doing this, we're the worst team on the planet <laughs> doing that. It is vicious. Like, like I'm insulting her that, that her skills suck. She's like blatantly disrespecting me, not listening to what I'm saying. Like it's a real shit show. But the fact is, it's much easier with two people. So we go, we're putting these things up on a Sunday. Like, cop car rolls up. when like, fuck, we're going, like, down, you know? Like, the cop car keeps moving. Like, it's just, like, it's, it's really painful, the whole process. Then the stuff's up, and I'm, like, asking myself, like, what am I doing? Like, you know, what, like, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing this? And then I go, I get, we get back in the car. Things go back to normal. And then, like, days go by. And someone reaches out to me and they're like, Hey, uh, how about you send me a hat and I'll join your board and I'll tell you like how to get money. I saw your posters up in my neighborhood. So <laughs> this goes back to someone I worked at Vice with actually left the day I started and he went into corporate, started working for LVMH, got hired to LVMH took over Tiffany a little while ago. Before that, they took over a suitcase company called Lemova, the German company. Like makes those like aluminum 
like uh, suitcases. And they took that over, and this guy helped doing that 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 takeover. And then he went to Apple, and he helped onboard the Hermes watch because they also own parts of Hermes. So those kind of people start showing up, and they're like these kind of Machiavellian kind of characters. They like cloak and dagger. They're like. I like to call them human traffickers because that's what they're doing. They're trafficking, like influencing power, but they're doing it in a way that like it, it can be harmful, you know? And I'm interested, obviously I'm a greedy fucker. Right. And I want it to be like, I want it to work more than I don't want it not to work as we were talking about with the racing. So I'm willing to go to any length to make that happen. And it's important, you know, to keep all the options open. So these people are coming more and more, you know, and it's an accomplishment just to have those people like show me some time and day, which I see as an honor and I respect them and I respect what they do. And it was always my goal to get their attention. But now it's like an even nicer position to know. It's like the girl that's open like for a fuck, but you, you don't, you don't take them up on it. You know, that's where the real power is. So that's the thing that I'm like slowly getting into like that being my daily stuff where it's like, can we do this ourselves, which is ideal and how it's been working with like the grace of God or whatever, like the universal forces, or is it like this thing where you want to be like saved or like a turbo on it, like an extra turbo. That's kind of how I see it, right? Is that engine built good enough, like the way it is without the turbo? Like, will that work? <laughs> or what? Will it be even more interesting if we put a supercharger on it, you know? Like, make that whining noise. <laughs> so that's like what it feels like, you know, like in um, in car terms, like as far as business, because I, I did not wake up with a manual. I like how any of this works, you know? Like, I've never been this old. I've never <laughs> gone through this before. Like, this is all first time stuff, you know? Like, I don't know. I know less. I don't know why any of this shit is working. <laughs> and and um, the way it is. And so, like, that's kind of where we're at right now, you know? Where it's like every day. I think day, that's knowledge so- right there, though, man. Knowing that you don't know is is knowledge. That's power. Yeah, it's like a fancy thing that I used to say, but I didn't really know what it meant, right? And now it's more like, yeah, I know. And it's more like, okay, how was your day really? You know, like how, what's in the diet of the day, right? So like I have certain things that I like, I'm a victim to my own routine, but there are things I chose and nobody tells me what to do. Like I don't have to be anywhere. I could lay in bed all day long. Most of this comes from the fact that I didn't like going to school and like being somewhere at a certain time. And I told myself in third grade, like when I'm done with school, I'm going to like do whatever the fuck I want. That's another big one. And that's even to this day, sometimes I feel like I'm still fighting that elementary school in Greenwich that wanted me to be somewhere at a certain time. You know what I mean? Nine o'clock. And like, that's like, it, it made me to this day so upset that like, uh, I don't want to be anywhere at anybody's time and I'm not. So like, I'll do stuff, right? I'll like have my little thing. I always just send this helpful when people share on this. I'm going to share it. That's going to finish up with it. So like, I bought myself I was like a big Rolex guy. I always had Rolexes and I bought myself an Apple watch a while ago and I started tracking like my movement. And so I was like, first off, I'm going to try this 10,000 step thing. I know there's some new research. It's all bullshit, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's the equivalent of like counting peas. It's just something 
that I set myself as a goal, as a measuring stick, I'm going to do it. So I get the 10 and at first it's kind of hard. Now I'm like in between 15 and 20. Sometimes I do 30,000 steps. Has a good effect. Like I got skinnier. I look good. I feel good. And then I do that wherever I go. So like if I'm on a trip, I'll get up and I'll walk around like wherever I am. Like I'll walk in the airport to get the steps in, whatever. And then a little bit of human interaction or diet, let's say, let's put that next. So like diet, got rid of like a bunch of shit that I like eating. I don't eat it anymore. That was difficult, but take some time. So steps, movement, the diet. Then there's um, social interaction. Like, can, like go out of my way to like talk to someone or meet someone that I haven't seen or have like you know just just make that effort. I don't I don't want to talk to anyone. And then some sort of spiritual thing, right? Where it's like could be you know whatever it is for you. But doing those things, and then like a little bit of art, right? Where you do like something like, like the the graffiti, or like something that's even like not allowed. I like that. Like I like being out in the streets, you know, like putting up stickers and feeling like a child, and just getting in touch with like childlike joy, you know, like like that was also really important to me. So like that pen, that like what I just described, that's like my daily day, and like as long as that's met, I'm like, <laughs> I was watching this thing on like Tate. Like on TikTok, it was like force fed to me. I didn't like, I don't follow him or whatever. It was just being shown to me. And he was sharing about this thing, which I kind of like. He's like, this misconception that like as a man, you're supposed to wake up and feel anything, like feel happy is a totally made up story. Like we're not supposed to wake up and feel happy. There might be something wrong with you if that were the case. Like you're supposed to get up and go do manly things. And then, you know, you know, you want to be honest try being honest, you know, or like you want to like, like have some self-respect, do some self-respectful things. And then if that takes place, you might have a chance that you feel something, you know, <laughs> period. Yeah. I, go <laughs> I like my that. Day, like, I think, <clears throat> I think, why do I feel like shit today? You know, being the afternoon or what haven't I done? You know, what, why, why am I unhappy or whatever? And I have to you know, analyze and you're like, well, I, I could do this or I could do that. Or like, these are the things I didn't do. You know, do I even deserve to be happy today because I didn't do anything to, you know, make it worth those emotions? Sure. Sure, sure. But I always want the, the like, the, the reward without having to put in the work. It's, like, my default. So it's, like, like the stuff is, like, a daily reprieve. Like, it takes effort daily. Like, every day, like, from new again. And I think I watched this, like, BoJack Horseman episode where he, like, he's, like, trying to get in shape or something. And, like, he goes out in front of the BoJack, you know, like, the comic on Netflix plays, like, a horse, like, a drunk horse. Fantastic And he show. goes outside. Yeah. Kind of, like, kind of fell off a little bit, but I like the first season. Yeah. And then, like, he goes outside, and there's, like, a bird that's always jogging in front of his house, or, like, I don't know, like, an ostrich. I don't know, some animal. And usually when he's all fucked up, like, it jogs by. And so he goes out, and he tries to jog, and he, like, falls down after, like, two feet. And the bird, like, stops and looks down at him and is like, um, he's like, oh man, how did you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And the bird's like, it gets easier. The hard part is doing it every day. And I just love that, you know, right? Where it's like, duh, <laughs> you know, it's duh. It isn't, it's just, you know, it's, you got to do it. Like you sit around and eat cake all day. You're not going to feel good. Yeah. But, it's, it's tough because, you know, I'm, I'm self-employed too, you know, struggling all the time. And it's, it's hard to, 
it's it's I guess I should say it's easier to say that it's easier to get up and go to a place that you're supposed to be, knowing that you're supposed to be there, knowing that you're going to get paid for doing whatever it is that you're supposed to do when you're there. It's a lot harder to wake up going, okay, what do I need to do today to progress whatever fill in the blank? It's harder to create that for yourself than it is to just follow through with the rules of someone else's program that they've set up. Uh Yes and no. I mean, for me, it's just like that's not that's not an option. Like I'm not employable, so like that that doesn't even cross my mind. Uh, so, like after doing this for such a long time, it's it's you know more to the point where I don't think about it like that. It's really just the part that I have to force myself and go do it. You know, I have to like just just have to. There's no, there's no, there's no real. The only real alternative would be death. You know, I think I'd choose that before <laughs> being employed by someone and doing like uh, listening to someone else's shit. You know, I, I could barely listen to my own. Right on. So, well, dude, yeah. I, I appreciate you hanging I out with us, man. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's always been good. I, I can't wait to see you again. I'm sure it'll happen at some yeah, point. We'll please. figure out a reason to get together. Yeah. I'll be in Florida from, uh, December till June, so there's really ample opportunity if you do make it down south, um, you know, to hang out. And um, yeah, maybe we'll figure something. Maybe uh, what is that, Amelia Island or something's down there? Do you in the you, spring? I believe. Yeah, maybe we people keep trying to get us to come down for that. Well, I'm sure I'll find myself in Florida at some point. You should. Everyone should. Well, I'm lying. No one should come to Florida. It's a horrible place. <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't man. come. Don't come, especially if you're from a liberal state. Please do not come to our state. You are not welcome. On that note, we'll we'll see you next time, buddy. Bye, guys. Bye. See you later. Mr. Christopher Kippenberger, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's always enigmatic. It's a trip. And he's always interesting to hear uh, hear from. What you know, I, I still think the most interesting question for me is staying relevant as somebody who's always edgy. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. And he's always doing interesting things. And I'm always interested by what he's doing. And you think of as, usually it's as brands grow, mm-hmm. that's when they become not edgy anymore. They come, they come, become fat and bloated and they can't move. Yeah, you have and, to go mainstream at some point. Yeah, to, but he, with volume. Well, I was, I was even going to, I was thinking about the question to pose to him of, you know, why, why get the bag that you have to go there in person to get and send it out to someone to do like, you know, hand airbrush stuff on it when you could do things a little bit easier or manufacture it locally or something like that. Basically, why go the exclusivity route versus maybe a more mass approach? Because he doesn't want to see. Because that is him. Yeah, and that's why I didn't ask the question. He doesn't want to see the guy carrying around his, he sent an assistant to go take the book (laughs) back from the guy. But like from a business perspective, that's not the way to make money usually. You know what that would. But somehow he is. Here's what this is akin to. What? Someone that came on the rally Uh has our belt buckle, right? Our exclusive belt buckle that only rally goers get. You know, it's the one thing that we're never going to sell. Okay. You know, if you've got an overcrest belt buckle, the brass with the car on it and everything. But if I find out <laughs> that you put LED headlights on something, <laughs> what? I'm gonna you're send, gonna revoke the belt buckle. I'm gonna send the assistant that we're about to hire. By the way, we're hiring an assistant. If that's uh-huh. you, look us up. For real, that's not a joke. We yes, are actually hiring is, an, that is real. an assistant. We need an assistant. I'm gonna send whoever that person is to your house uh-huh. and take the belt buckle back. 
Because I don't want you getting out of your car with LED headlights. I think that negates the whole virtual work from home part of our assistant we're looking for. But but you you get what I'm saying. No, I, I think do. it's it's the same type of thing. And I and I under, and I understand that, especially if you're like a boutique brand, it's it's eccentric. For it, sure. Yes, obviously. Yeah. What do we got going on next week? Anything? I don't know. I don't know either. We got to figure that out. We got to figure that out. We'll figure that out while you guys figure out what this episode was about. <laughs> we will see you guys next week. <laughs> Take care.